In April 2020, just as the global pandemic was kicking off, Lawrence and I started recording our weekly Friday Firesides. These are conversations broadcast live over the Crowdcast platform and joined by people all over the world who listen in and share their thoughts with us via the chat. We started these live recordings as an opportunity to keep in touch with our members, as well as process what it meant to run a business during a pandemic. Since then, we've broadcast nearly every single Friday and built up a library of over 100 episodes. We cover a range of different topics from money to meaning, pricing to purpose, vision to vulnerability, entrepreneurship to empathy, and product design to life design. This is our perspective of what it means to do business from the inside out, as well as the outside in. If you're a business hippie just like us, then you'll definitely find something of value here. We hope that these conversations inspire and motivate you to do work and build businesses that create meaningful change without burning out. Because like us, you're just wanting to make money, do good, and be happy. So today, uh, on this uh, Friday at Fireside, on the 4th of March 2022, we are going to be talking about doing business on purpose and what that means for us and how we're trying to help others uh, define that and articulate that in a way that actually feels authentic and energizing rather than just a poster on a wall or a document in a straw. I'm trying to think where I first heard the word purpose meant or in relation to business. And I can't actually put my finger on where where I first came across it. All I remember is Ali Kassau, who was on this fireside a couple of years ago, or last year maybe, he created a conference called Purpose Makers probably about seven, eight years ago, and that was in Denmark. And I remember we were thinking about the Happy Startup School and we were thinking about what was frustrating us about a lot of the entrepreneurs that we came across. And there was a lack, definitely a lack of what we felt was purpose. And so I was on the lookout for anyone who's doing this kind of work. And that conference, that uh, organization he created jumped out at me because I remember thinking, oh, purpose makers, what's that? Purpose in business. And it was people who were focused on making a positive impact. You know, that money was um, not the driver for their ventures. And so it was very much a social impact, whether social means environmental or social just means doing good. And we've had Keith Klomp on the fireside and as part of summer camp, and he would talk about purpose as being making the world better and serving life. And so that's, I guess, what most people would probably think of as as purpose. Yeah, I think similarly to you, I think the, the whole purpose thing, it, it was that whole thing of like, oh, what does your business do? Or why does your business exist other than make money? And so what was that definition of the outcomes of your work? What change are you trying to make in the world? And so it is always quite big and always like, ah, oh, I really got to have a really cool purpose. I really <laughs> need to have, you know, something that's also, in a sense, is like if you don't have a really cool purpose, then you're not a really purposeful business. Uh, yeah. And so there's that felt like a, a massive hurdle to, mm. to to get over it's like how do we define the right purpose for a business so that you know it, and also nearly also like a weapon uh, a marketing weapon you know mm. get the right purpose statement on your business on your website so that people can like really i don't know you track the right audience or whatever it is well, it also feels like there's something around comparing yourself is my purpose big enough like you said is it you know has someone else got a better purpose have i got the right purpose um, mm. And I'm always conscious of that and have been at particularly summer camp. There can be a feeling from people who 
you know, feel like they are looking for something, looking for their, their purpose in life or in business, that when they meet someone who's found it, they can be like, oh, I'm comparing myself now, not on money, but on purpose, which isn't healthy either. You know, they're doing more than me. They're making more impact than me. They're saving more lives than me. So I'm not worthy. And that's that's not a healthy place to be. So yeah, whilst it can be helpful, it can also be toxic as well, I think. Uh, I'm curious as some of the comments here. We've got uh, Daniela saying, purpose is where I put energy and efforts to contribute to my happiness and well-being uh, and well-being of those around me. So mm. there's a nice otherish approach there. Uh, and then Joe saying, purpose is doing what we were born to put on this planet to do. Uh, what you get out of bed two hours earlier in the morning to do without being paid, that's our purpose. Ooh. Mm. That's a big question. Um, do you know what you were born to do? <laughs> uh, I would say I know what I was born to do, but I've definitely found something that I've been able to feel like this is this feels right. You know, I feel like I'm doing the right work. Um, so I wouldn't say I was born to do this, but I feel like all of my life experiences and learnings have led me to this point. And, you know, ever since... Well, it's been an evolution of the work we do, but I just feel, and I'm less tied to the idea of it's just a happy startup school now. I feel more, much more in, at peace with the idea that I am an individual outside of the work we do, which again, I think there's another thing to talk about is the idea of being too attached to an identity around a company or a brand or a role even as well. Are you trying to tell me something, Lawrence? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, pl I planned a new thing, a, a stealth startup. Called the Unhappy Startup School. I'm not tired of Happy Startup School. I don't care. I'm off. Going to sort of my own life path now. But no, I suppose the reason I say that is because I think in the past I've had a, probably an, uh, a feeling of like tying my sort of worth and purpose to solely the business, if you think about it that way. Because I think that's that's not healthy. And, you know, linked to the idea of you would work a lot of hours to do this work without getting paid. Um that can also lead to a point where you're working lots of hours without getting paid and and feeling a bit uh, burnt out. So I don't think that's a good place to be either. That's interesting what you said about like all the experiences, and I think Joe just said it, it's co the coming together of all experiences and learnings from the essentially a, an emergent path to, to finding purpose yeah. as opposed to, you know, born, this is what I'm born to do. I'm going to do this. Mm from now until infinity and and that that's quite it's interesting you know that whole that where there are people who like know from a very early age this is this is what i'm here to do um i'm wondering how many of of those people are on the call today who actually know exactly why they from <clears throat> the from when they came out of their mother's womb exactly what they were supposed to be doing for the rest of their lives because i'd love to know exactly what that was um, well, I can, I, well, one thing I'd be curious about that is what things people did when they were younger has actually led them to what they do today or given them an inkling to what they do today. You know, for example, people we know who do like conflict resolution and mediation, like Becky and Max, I know they've said in the past that they, you know, were the mediator as a child in, in relationships and at home. And, and I'm sure there's things that we do now that we look back and think, okay, we learned that craft at a much younger age before we even started doing this work. Can you, can you remember anything that you did other than play pool? <laughs> well, I actually can because I used to... So my parents used to run pubs, as I've mentioned before. And I used to work in the pub at a very young age. And my dad was quite fiery, as you know. 
he would fly off the handle quite regularly because he just gets stressed out by people coming in and ordering orange juices when they when he wanted them to spend lots of money. And so he was a bit of a Basil Fawlty. People used to call him a Basil. And and I just hated that because I was like the I wouldn't say I was the mediator, but I just hated conflict and I and I was always trying to be the sort of middleman between him and the customer. <laughs> and so in some ways it was funny because, you know, I knew deep down he wasn't a bad person. He just kind of, you know, would lose his rag when he was busy and working lots of hours and not getting paid very much. And then someone would trigger him and they probably could trigger his values. Cause I look back now and think at the time I thought he was being unreasonable, but now I look back and think actually he saw them as being tight. And so he thought that was, I'm sure that was a value that was um, not right for him, but yeah, age 15, 16, I would be trying to uh, find some sort of middle ground between his view of the world and their view of the world. Um, and it didn't always work. Sometimes he just grab them and throw them out of the pub. <laughs> It's it's interesting that whole um, early experiences and how they can start informing, or you know, whether it's quietly or very loudly, inform the choices that we do later in life, and how that contributes to this sounds like this emergent process of experiences and learnings. That I don't know whether we consciously sounds like this is something you were reflecting on recently, rather than oh, I knew this from an early age that this is the path I'm going to go down. It was like more like. Oh shit! I remember that. Yeah. Well, actually, I so I had this conversation probably about ten years ago with um, someone, an old friend from university, and she was saying. So I used to have a student house, and there was like five of us, all blokes, and you know, lots of Neil and James, friends of mine. Um, and she just said, like, none of them would would be friends if it wasn't for you, which I found really weird. But she said, "You're the glue that glues everyone together." And so I'm still friends with all of them now, but they're not all friends with each other, which is I find really strange because we all lived together from university together for a long time, and I'm sure if they all met up, there'd still be you know lots of shared uh, experiences. But she made the point that yeah, I was the one connecting everyone, and so you know I found that's actually a superpower I found that is yeah, if I meet some people, then I'm sure you do this as well. You don't you probably take it for granted, but you'll try and find a middle ground or a point of connection with people. And then maybe lead them to each other, or just you can build a strong bond with them quite quickly. So, yeah, I just found that a bit bizarre at the time, but now I, I kind of can make more sense of it than I did uh, ten years ago. I think there's this interesting thing of like allowing ourselves to gravitate towards these things that we really do naturally that we don't you know, kind of unconsciously enjoy doing in a sense, as opposed to then just following a path because that's how I don't know friends family society say that's a successful way of doing things and this is how this is your purpose in life you know make money get a mortgage mm. have a family do the slog until retirement and then mm. chill out and play golf cool one one of the mm. uh, several paths in life um as opposed to i think what we've taken and which can be scary for most people is this idea of like I actually don't know where I'm going to, uh, mm. but I'm going to just try these things along the way. Um, and for a while, at least from my from my perspective, it was very much a kind of like uh, uh, shooting in the dark nearly or just trying things without really having a clear intention or, or direction. It's just like, okay, whatever came up as an opportunity, <laughs> I'd take it and see where it led. Yeah, And, and that as a process, it was a process of unconsciously trying to find some clarity. I wrote something the other week about this, the idea of elimination, not epiphanies, um, which 
I've found that too is, you know, I've not found purpose through, you know, sitting in a field for years on end, although there's value in that at times. It's really come from chipping away at things and, and moving away from things and moving towards things. And that, that process of elimination actually is has brought more clarity rather than any huge aha moments, um, which I think there can be an expectation that, you know, it's like the eureka moment. Ah, oh, that's my purpose. And it just comes to you in the bath. And maybe that happens for some people, but I think for most people, there's just a process of yeah, chipping away at what's not working and then moving towards the things that are or that energize us. It's interesting. I think there's a period in time, over, well, there's a, over a period, the way I look at it, you, particularly from a young age, you just need to try stuff and just mm. see what's going on and, and, and see what fits and see what doesn't fit. And there's a process of understanding what works for you. But I think if you do that uh, without ever stopping and thinking okay what have i learned mm. and what is it how can i make sense or understand what all of these bits are or how i reacted or how i responded or when i felt good or where i didn't feel good without doing that you'll still just be shooting in the dark all the time yeah and so there's, there's a part there's a point it feels like where it's useful to just take stock and try and put into words what you think you want or where you yeah. think you want to get to. Yeah. Um, and that's hard, I think, for a lot of people because they don't necessarily, I don't know, have you, before we started the Happy Startup School, did you spend much time kind of like pondering, okay, what is it I want and where is it I want to get to? Oh, I'd go on an annual retreat to India on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I would, but no. Um, no. I, I don't think we get enough time to, it's not, you know, we, we take our car for an MOT. We don't necessarily spend a year, you know, every year we, take our mind and body for an MOT probably should do but yeah I think it's a practice that I think we've built more recently but even that it's always hard isn't it when you've got the day-to-day you want to do the work and whatever what you need to do support your family the big picture thinking always comes last doesn't it because um, it's hard to put that as priority when it's a difficult and b takes time I think the other thing that's really interesting I find is like if you do do the big picture thinking and you realize something big has to change. That could be quite scary. Yeah. And so it's like, I'd rather not know. <laughs> Just yeah. in case. La, la, I'm happy in my little Everything bubble. in my life. We have to move country or whatever it is, because this really isn't working. Because then that you face up to maybe some very, yeah, very real truths about yeah. the path you've been on and the decisions you've made up until now. And I know there's people we've met over the years who've, actually found it safer just to retreat back into that world you know they've, they've maybe come to an event of ours and opened a little doorway but it's a scary doorway because maybe the role business work they're in as well as the relationships they're built don't align with a new vision that they might want to create for themselves and so in some ways it's easier to just close the door rather than walk into it because there's so much at stake and yeah that's scary and it's particularly scary when you're trying to do it on your own and everyone around you is not thinking in that way. And I think particularly if you get to a certain age, like yeah. <laughs> myself and you, where you spend a long period of time maybe just doing the right thing or doing things in a certain way, uh, and people have got used to you being a certain type of person, mm-hmm. it takes a lot of uh, courage, I think, commitment and clarity to say, no, okay, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do this thing, whether that's start a new business, 
change career, um, move country, whatever it may be, because you need to back that up. It feels like you need to be able to uh, defend that decision against any kind of questions that people may have, particularly those close to you, because they <clears throat> they might feel that as an, an um, threatening is the wrong word, but the fact that they don't want to change and you yeah. want to change, that could be create a bit of uh, fear in them. And then they're like, oh, no, why are you doing this? This is crazy. What are you trying to do here? We well, should stick to the script. Fear or judgment or jealousy sometimes, I think, you know, we've probably got to know lots of people who've maybe done something different, started a new business, left a career that they weren't happy in. And yeah, people around them, maybe ex-colleagues kind of go, why would you want to do that? Uh -huh. Or lucky you, it's all right for you going and doing that. We're stuck here. And so it brings up all sorts of feelings and emotions. Like you said, it's very triggering for people when, not that they're being challenged, but by someone else stepping outside of that safety net, they're challenging other people's worlds. And um, yeah, doing something more adventurous, which again, can be fun, but also um, comes with comes with a bit of trepidation too. And I think the, the challenge then becomes when those dissenting voices, those people around you, particularly people you care about, start saying things that take you off course. So you like you've committed, like I want to start this business, I want to go in this direction, and it feels right. And at the moment, it's just mainly a feeling. And then people around you say, "Oh, you're crazy! What you're doing? Have you thought about this?" And then how that can make you waver and start doubting yourself and thinking about all the crazy, you know, the, basically fearing the uncertainty even more and thinking about all the bad things that might happen, as opposed to stay, staying to the course, being true to what you thought it true to that first feeling hmm. but because it's only a feeling it hasn't been necessarily thingified as we say in our community it can be harder to to explain to others or defend you know it'd be particularly like i'm thinking beginning of the happy startup school you started it was a feeling for you i don't think it was as easy for you to articulate this is my purpose now i'm going to make this business and this is why we should go in this direction and how that could be a challenge maybe for, for others around you trying to work out why we're going in this direction. You need a story to tell, don't you? You need a story to tell people around you. And I think, you know, we all struggle with that when you're still trying to find clarity yourself. You want to give people reassurance or certainty or, yeah, clarity on what that story is, but you're still trying to work it out. And so, you know, we've seen people really struggle with that piece is, yes, I want to do this thing, whether it's start something new close the business maybe in, in lots of cases or, or pivot an offering or move career. But yeah, in absence of full clarity, when someone says, why would you want to do that? Sometimes you won't know. And I think that's the thing that in some ways people can go on this path around is actually what's my story. Um, and I think that's the thing you can own more than necessarily what's my purpose because you can't argue with someone's story and how they feel. And, and I think that's the thing that unravels over time. And so I think our story at the time was someone that became clearer, which was, we've done this for 10 years. This isn't serving us anymore, but this is. And, and the reason that is, is because of the people that we've met and the conversations we've had and the confidence that's given us and where the world is heading, we feel, which is the future is, uh, and again, Ollie, nicking a line for Ollie's conference, the future belongs to individuals and companies with a sense of purpose. And that was one thing that kind of pushed me forward was this is where things are heading. This is where I want to head who's in. 
And that was the story. And and what it is, whether that fits into our purpose, that becomes clear over time. What the business looks like, God knows. But that's a direction of travel. And that's what um, I like to help people with is a direction of travel rather than exactly what the path looks like or what the the stepping stones are along the way. I think particularly if you're doing something new uh, and something different, um, it's hard to necessarily lay out the plan. Um, There's an element of trust that's required there. But having that, I think, I don't know, is it partly stubbornness? Uh, You know, you can call it a vision and you can call it internal clarity or it could be like, no, I'm going to do this because I want to do this and I don't want to do that. You could call it stubbornness, you could call it courage, you could call it commitment. I think any creative or entrepreneur, whatever you call us, you need a bit of faith, I think, that this is right and you can't put your finger on why. Um, So, yeah, whatever that word is, there's a commitment to it, isn't there? And Mm. a lot of people are scared and don't make that commitment or step on that path, and so it needs Mm. to be rewarded. And I think I guess that's where, like uh, Sandy says, other people... Uh, help you with those commitments because they can remind you of why you've taken them or what what's important to you i think that's the key thing for me around this is like being reminded of what's important to you and that's why you're committed to something and i, I we i find this i think in, in the work that we do and working with people like the barrier to committing and the, the ease at which people can get distracted with this thing or that thing or this thing or that thing because there's shiny new things that they can play with as opposed to being committed to something and how you define that commitment that feels, oh, yeah, this is really exciting. I want to do this. As yeah. opposed to, oh, it's a nice idea. I might try it out for a few whatever. And then suddenly something else comes up. She wanted to acknowledge actually Claire here. Sounds like she's got a lovely bunch of people around her. Uh, she said she's had nothing but support and positivity for her career change ideas. It's her. as her own internal dialogue. Yeah, internal voices, critical voices. Yeah, yeah, and this is why. And, and Claire's joined us on the Vision Twenty Twenty, uh, the tri- Tribe Five of Vision Twenty Twenty, and this is why what we're going to be talking about this purpose playbook, we feel like is super important. It's to not only just counteract the dissenting voices outside of your head, <laughs> it's also dissenting voices inside your head, so that you can have something, some consistent message or narrative that you can actually hold on to. And uh, I'm interested... Turn down the volume on those voices. Oh, yeah, exactly. Drown out a little bit. Just turn up the bass on here and just turn down the volume on those things. But saying that, I just wanted to address Steph's question here. Steph asks, for us, or for you, she says, is purpose immutable and forever? Or do you see purpose changing at different points in life? So is there a single purpose to your existence, Lawrence? Or evolve over time? Um, No, I see it evolving over time um, because I think my definition of it has evolved over time as well. So we talked about, you know, we started out, well, I certainly started out with this idea that purpose was out there. It was, you know, changing the world. It was impacting others. It was doing good, which I still think can be true. But I think over time it's become much more intrinsic in terms of what can I do that will serve me and those around me and therefore hopefully help others too because we can't control the outside world the world you know we can't fix the world we can only sort of in some ways impact those around us so yeah in short i think it 
it evolves over time. I think there's still probably a common thread there in terms of how we show up, how we are with people, you know, what we bring to a situation. But in terms of our focus and our our work or business purpose, I think that that can evolve as we gain more experiences and uh, learnings, really. I find it a really interesting question because it feels like if you're talking about uh, <laughs> our personal purpose as a as a human being, you know, Carlos, what is the purpose of Carlos? Uh, it's like to live and breathe and not hurt people. I don't know. It's like I, you know, the, it, it's I can imagine what's the purpose of this organization or what's the purpose of you doing this thing. You know, uh, at the moment, the purpose of us running the Vision 2020 program is to help people feel a bit more excited and clear about the work they want to do and take steps to making that happen. That feels, you know, that's the purpose of the work. Is that my purpose? Does it have to be like, oh, this is the purpose, uh, my purpose to exist? I'm, I'm, I'm less, I'm not sure. It's an interesting <clears throat> question because I'm now, I, I prefer to think about what do I get out of this? Mm. And what I get out of doing this work is a real strong sense of connection. I learn a lot. I learn about people. Um, I feel like I'm contributing to people's lives. I get a feeling straight away of that impact, like, yes, this, this has helped in some way. I have a sense of freedom because we're not tied to a location. We are mm. quite location independent. We can work from just about anywhere. Uh, and, and also, we're the, that's another freedom aspect of it is like we don't need a lot of people to make this work work. Yeah. And so it meets mm. my needs right now in terms of mm. the way I want to live my life. Uh, do I tie that to, is that the purpose of my life? I don't know. I don't think I could articulate that that way. So I, I can, I think I can, when I think about purpose these days, I really think about <clears throat> what is the outcome you're trying to create with the thing, the organization, the activity you're trying to do is very clear. We're doing this. There's a very clear thing. And Charlie talks about clear ideas when it comes to personal purpose. I'm a bit more challenged with that. And that's maybe part of why we talk about purpose in the way we do yeah. because in a sense what i do could be so many different things and i could try and play around with so many different things because as long as they met some core criteria about how they feed me as well as feed others i think for me it does depend on our definition and, and like you said linked to almost what what we need what we need from what we're trying to do and, and by that i mean you know, I feel like, for example, if I'm fulfilling my need for creativity, I feel like I can be purposeful in the work I do because I can create things that will hopefully help people. So rather than it being a selfish thing, partly is I love making stuff, but also I like making stuff that that makes a positive impact. And so, you know, that's only something I've realised in the last few years. Just because we closed the agency doesn't mean I can't keep I can't keep making things. I just make things under a, a sort of a umbrella of the work we do in happy startup school when we started out i was focused on probably the ego was like yeah let's take over the world let's have happy startup schools in every city you know we tried to help people run chapters around the world and it kind of worked in some places and not others and then over time it was like actually i'm just helping i'm managing people or trying to you know help other people forget that feeling of impact and actually, over time, I've learned that actually I like the intimacy of working people one to one or in small groups. Um, and at the events we do, um, and something like summer camp is amazing, but it's really hard to get that visibility on 
you know, each person making progress. So that's why I like the small groups because, yeah, you get visibility. And so that's something I've learned over time is, yes, it's great to make a big impact across the world. But at the same time, if you lose that, if I lose that intimacy and that feeling of impact directly, then I don't feel like I'm making an impact and per- I feel less purposeful, And which is, yeah, a bit of a dichotomy, but that's that's kind of where I'm at with it. I think there's that real understanding of um, how it feels to make impact and whether scalable you know impact is something that floats your boat or whether more local and intimate impact is something that really um, energizes us or keeps us in the game really and and, uh, the game thing is i don't know i I thought the idea of infinite games and so when i think about organizations or people who want to like do global impact and make a massive impact it's it's usually on the take for me diane so it takes the form of all right, I find this little process or this model or this way of doing things, and then I'm going to replicate it everywhere. And then I'm going to be the one who's replicated. It's my idea, and it's going to come under one banner, and we're going to consistently execute in the same way for everyone. And I find that dangerous to a certain level, because then you're assuming that everyone wants exactly the same thing. And I think for me in this day and age, particularly in this very complex world where we are a globalized planet people are moving or we used to be able to move around but still people are moving in their ideas particularly with the internet there's so much more scope for just collaborating and rather than me being the person who just helps everyone across the world is like how do i connect with other people like me who are doing similar work in different places but know much more about their local area or the people that they want to serve and so we all do it together and and this whole idea of the infinite game versus the finite game, um, look up the books called Infinite Games. This idea of like the finite game is like I'm in to win it, whether that's with money or purpose. Like I'm in to make impact across the world because I'm the person who's really clever and knows all the ideas. As opposed to the infinite game is like how do we all keep on making impact? Mm-hmm. How do we all encourage each other? How do we all learn from each other? How do we not have to dominate and be the only player in town, but we can be one of a number of great people who are doing things and we're all trying to share stuff and we know how much is enough for each of us because hmm. i think this is part of linked to this idea of what we're going to cover this in the, what we call the purpose playbook is understanding what is enough as well as how can i make impact so how do we do this Lawrence? <laughs> <laughs> this is where we get the blackboard out this is where we go well this is where we're going to kind of share one of the things that we use a lot well, one, one of the modules on our Vision 2020 program is, in a sense, it, it's, it's something that's been a thread that's gone through everything we've done since we started the Happy Startup School. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's only, I think, through a process of iteration, refining, and just understanding it better that we got to this place where it's one way to put into words and maybe pictures, but in a way that uh, put it to thingify, as we call it, to put mm-hmm. it in, into some kind of format what it means to do good work for you. Yeah. And uh, kind of like that, that foundational aspect of, of uh, to help you choose what's a yes and what's a no. What kind of job do I create? What kind of business I create? Because it, it feeds me in this, in this scenario. Yeah. So where it came from really was, like you said, we ran some courses years ago, online courses. Um, Happy Startup Homeschool was our first one. We had a few cohorts of that. And like you said, we tried out different exercises, different methods, different ways of talking about this stuff. And we knew purpose was important. 
I think when we first started, say people had an idea for a new business, we would help them get that down on paper using our happy startup canvas. And there was a section on purpose and vision. And so that would be what's the purpose of the idea, um, which I think is still valuable because, like you said, we can talk about a project or a brand or a you know business and we know what we're all talking about here, why we're all here. I think the bit that misses out, though, is like you said, what what's in this for me? So as a founder who's probably trying to straddle two worlds, which often for people is they've got some work coming in, whether it's their own business or a job, and they're trying to start this thing. And so there's this kind of feeling of like, I need to find time maybe even some money resource, whatever, to, to put this, push this thing out there. So in absence of knowing what's in it for them, it's going to be hard for them to even find that time or tell that story of why they're doing it. So almost taking a step back where, like you said, you can start to think about, okay, what is it I need uh, from this business I'm creating? And we talked about this the other week on the fireside about needs. So rather than thinking, I want to start a business because I want to make impact and do this thing, you say, I want to satisfy my need for autonomy or creativity or adventure whatever those needs are understanding that where you are now maybe some of those needs aren't being met and potentially starting a new business or starting this thing might allow you to fulfill those needs in a more sort of uh, useful way and so that i found as a useful framework and that's why one of the se- uh, sessions and exercises we do on the playbook is around what are your core needs and that is really looking back at maybe the last couple of years of your work, looking at things that have worked, things that haven't, what's energized you, what's drained you, you know, what are the activities that fit into those two camps? And then looking at that and understanding what does that mean for me in terms of where I go next? You know, what am I trying to move away from? What what environments or activities are maybe not healthy for me? And, and on the flip side, which ones really get me excited? Which ones really get my mojo going and get my creative juices flowing. And and that for me is often a sing- signal of needs either being met or not being met. And that also leading us to, you know, our purpose in some ways of this is what I should be doing with my time because that's where I'm best making my impact. Or like you said earlier, this is what I'm here to do because I'm getting signals in my body even of what's working and what's not. And I think that's an interesting bit as well, that whole, signals in my body aspect of it which i think for a lot of people in business when you're thinking about starting a business it's very cerebral it's very about um kind of logically and coldly calculating how is this business going to grow what is it how is it going to make profit how do i put a strategy together that's going to get us on this really um upward trajectory without thinking about how does it actually feel (laughs) Mm-hmm. To do this, personally, me and I, and, and we've seen a number of organisations and agencies that were bigger than ours, or whose founders were like they looked like they were trapped in a successful business. Mm-hmm. On the outside, everything looked great; it was making money, lovely team, beautiful offices. And then you talk to them, and they just feel stressed, and they feel trapped, and they feel um, like a weight on their shoulders. The whole, oh my god tens of thousands of pounds of salary that I have to find every month. Mm-hmm. And that was never something that I'd envisaged for myself. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're trying to tap into with this idea of the playbook is like capturing some of that vision that you do have for mm-hmm. yourself and not forgetting that and not falling into or stumbling into uh, a job, a business, a startup 
that is totally in the opposite direction. Yeah. And that links to that whole, you know, another element of what we talk talk about on the program is like, I'd love it if. Well, again, I think with this stuff, we're trying to get people to to dream in some ways, you know, to to look ahead and think, what is it I want for myself, for my life? And so with that exercise, I'd love it if we've got four quadrants. So there's money, time, relationships, and impact. And trying to get people to look at, you know, a vision through that those lenses rather than just, I want to make loads of money, actually thinking about money's important, but it's just one factor to consider. And we had some conversations this morning on our LHL call, Lighthearted Leaders call around often, you know, the sort of mainstream focus is you get more money, you take the offer, whatever the thing is. It's just, you know, more salary is good. More money in business is good. Bigger contracts is good. Not taking into account what does that mean for my time? What does that mean for my energy, my relationships? Is there any feeling of impact? So, yeah, if we just base it on the spreadsheet, more money is great. But if you take into account more human elements, often it's not always great. So looking at this kind of visioning through that lens, you know, what's the what are the relationships I want to build? You know, do I want to have community around me? Do I want to collaborate with people? Do I want to have a co-founder? Whatever these things are. Do I want to be part of communities? Do I want to create communities? With time, you know, what is what are the bits that I want to ring fence? Do I want to focus more on my well-being or my time in nature, whatever it might be, understanding those things. Uh, and again, with impact, like what's the feeling of impact that I want? And like you said, for everyone, that's different. Some people, they want to build the scalable app that helps millions of people. And, and for us, we enjoy more of the intimate spaces. And so, again, there's no right or wrong way of doing this stuff, but it's creating a definition of success that works for you. So that quadrant, time, money, impact, relationships, under this I'd love it if question is um, – yeah, we found a useful framer for just trying to break down your ideas so it's not just a sexy vision board, you know, but actually something that's a bit more, yeah, it's got a bit more sort of structure to it. So in the kind of the classical startup world, they talk about this kind of three phases of a startup. You start off with a problem, solution, fit. So find a problem that is worth solving or needs a solution. Then you can talk about product market fit. Like, will people pay you? to have this um, problem solved and will they pay you enough? And then there's scale. You know, like, can you build a business that will grow because of that um, uh, product market fit? What they forget is product founder fit. It's like, is the thing that I'm creating actually suited to the person that I am and the things that I want? And this is where I, this purpose playbook and particularly this element about I'd love it if talks to the, consciousness or the clarity in which you can make help you make a decision as to all right how do i want to make this business work and how what kind of impact do i want to make in the world because for instance if if impact and big impact global impact for instance or impact on a lot of people is really important to you and time on your own is important to you Mm. and relationships with other people need to be intimate and i would say small in a sense and not you know not too many people then maybe writing a book is mm. the best way for you to make global impact maybe doing online courses maybe productizing an idea that can be shared with other people and they start yeah. saying oh, that's how the fit works or maybe you love you love spending your time with traveling and meeting people and relationships you want to have loads and loads of friends and impact for you is like really on an intimate level where you are actually in it 
then yeah. maybe you're you're traveling around and you're doing retreats and you're coaching or you're speaking you know that's what you want to do so mm. it starts to make sense of ah that's what i'd love it if and that's the business i could run that fits in with that and that's why we call it a playbook because it's a way to start playing to start playing with those ideas and and seeing it as a a way to experiment not to hold those things too tightly but i think the other thing is it's a it's a great uh, reflection tool for other people so whether it's a coach or your peers to be able to then say ah oh, you put that there um a, a great example of this is chats to someone a couple of weeks ago and i meet so many people who start businesses who you know freedom and autonomy is a big factor in their decision of why they want to start a business but often the, the go-to thing is they want to raise funds from investors and so they're looking to get investment for their business so they can get it off the ground, which makes sense, you know. But no one really thinks about what that means for their freedom and autonomy when they're starting a business if they then have investors to report to. Uh, and the founder I was with a couple of weeks ago, he said he was at the point where he spent half his time reporting back to investors every week. Um, and that's 50% of his time he's not spending on his business. And also it's impacting on his own feeling of freedom and autonomy because he's having to he's basically got a boss you know which is the person he's given this big chunk of money so that's for me why it's important to start to have people reflect on what you've put here so that you can go well you've said that but are you actually acting in a way that um relates to that because it or aligns with that and and you know we don't often think about those things oh money's great but how's that going to impact on my need for freedom and autonomy so we kind of like we talked about needs and that for me is like quite present it's something that's mm. happening now it's something that i want to address right now and we talked about i'd love it if and that's like the future and where we'd like to get to and the kind of the the constraints around what success looks like in a sense and it mm -hmm. isn't just about money it's also about time relationships and impact what's the other things that we talk about well big one my zone of genius it's one, and the mantra is the other. So um, your zone of genius, you could think about it as like the, the, the place where you play best. Like what is it that you can do? What's effortless to you? You know, where, where are you most in flow? What feels easy but also exciting and also pushes you to? Um, and so you can think about your strengths, your superpowers, the things that you might uniquely do, or maybe they're not unique, but they – they make you feel alive and and understanding that zone of genius where you play best i think is important because again linked to the idea of what excites you and what drains you if you're spending more of your time doing things that drain you then what does that mean for the things that are important to you and important to the business versus if you are more in your zone of genius then you can start to maybe delegate some of the things that you don't want to do or just not do them if they're not important and so just understanding that and, you know, for example, you can look at your week and through that lens of what gives me energy, what drains me energy, look at your calendar, you know, how many activities in your day are things that you, know, you feel like you're using your strengths and superpowers uh, in versus those that are just draining you. And there's always going to be things that we don't want to do, whether it's the accounts or sending that email or having that awkward conversation. But I think our goal is for people to spend more of their time doing the things they love doing so that they can then be of best use for others, but also get more out of it themselves. The word flow springs to mind. And there's two elements to that for me. Um, there's the sense of flow where you, you know, you are working at, 
your peak performance. You know, you're nearly on the edge, just about you know really pushing yourself. And so, when you're working that way, you're making the best thing you can make, or you're doing yeah. it in the best way you can. And and that means whoever you're serving or whatever the business is, they're going to benefit, and it is going to benefit in the best way because you really your your energy is there. Yeah. The other aspect of flow for me, which is quite interesting, is really being present and enjoying the work yeah. rather than worrying about where, you know, the future and how it's going to scale or how big is it going to be or whether it's going to be a success or what's going to happen if, you know, things tank in the economy or whatever it is, or regretting, oh, my God, I should have made that decision in the path or we're not, we haven't reached that level yet. And just, yeah, you're always, in, well, when you're in a flow, you're in the present. Yeah. And how that, is a feeling from my perspective is a happy feeling because mm. you're enjoying the thing you're doing at the moment. And, and so when we forget to have flow in our work and we forget to work within our zone of genius, then we'll probably get bored. We'll start mm -hmm. doom scrolling through social media. We won't do our best work uh, and we'll probably resent <laughs> where we yeah. are at the moment. Yeah. And so, that isn't a great place to be, and I don't think it's going to be an opportunity to really make impact. Great. So that you know that great. that the book by Mihaly, she sent me high. I think I don't know. Um, very much, it's an experience, uh, something experienced by athletes. Um, this idea of flow, of just being lost in the zone. But I, I, we believe you can also experience it when you're running a business, mm -hmm. because it's and that's kind of one of the core things, particularly being in the happy startup school we were asking for people to how can you find more flow in your work and not necessarily do stuff you're good at, but yeah. do stuff you lose yourself in. Exactly. And again, linked to that, you know, I think Sandy said something earlier about downscaling the vision. Um, I think it's also knowing, I think you talked about it too, the idea of, you know, you might want to grow your team, for example, but then if you look at your calendar, like we did with the agency and, you know, we spent a lot of time having meetings and meeting with clients and, having proposal meetings with potential clients and doing lots of things that maybe weren't our zone of genius, but you had to do for that business to work. And then we looked ahead and thought, okay, do we want to bring in more people and have bigger contracts and bigger proposals and a bigger office? And it started to feel like, that's not really feeling like fun. It looks great. Sounds great to have that kind of business might be good on the turnover, but then at what cost? And so, like you said, now we're at a point where yes, we've got a smaller team, Yes, you could argue maybe we've got um, less numbers in terms of impact, but it's more sustainable because, you know, we have more more of our days spending doing the things we love doing versus and trying to minimize the admin. So not always having so many meetings, using tools like Loom to be able to like asynchronously communicate with one another, you know, finding ways to yeah fill our days more with the things we are good at and can add most value to versus the things that are yeah, just there for the sake of it. And some people may say, you know, what kind? Of, that's not a real business. And we could argue, well, we make more money than we spend. We've been around for like 20 years doing this kind of work. Uh, and the people who love what we do. So that, if that's not a business, then fine. We just keep on doing this and see, see where it takes us. Or the old um, classic, oh, that's oh, one of those lifestyle businesses. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or with us, like our friends again. So what is it you actually do like what do people actually buy and that and i think that's the 
well, maybe it's the fault of programs like The Apprentice and traditional ways of thinking about business mm-hmm. and, and not realizing there's such a wide variety of ways to serve people these days. Mm-hmm. And because there's so much opportunity, being able to have some level of clarity and constraint so that you don't get overwhelmed by choice. Like, actually, mm-hmm. now it's rather than the case of like finding a, a job just particularly because it's it's got a certain salary and a kudos. It's like, how how do how do I want to live? Mm-hmm. And how do I find a work or business that suits that way of living? As yeah. opposed to how do I fit into an organization? And what is the suit that I need to wear? What's the suitcase I need to buy? And what are the shoes that need to be on my feet? <laughs> and and that feels to be the flip. But then if we're going to do it that way, if we're going to work from the inside out, where we say, this is what we're about. This is our, these are our needs. This is where we want to get to in the future. How, how we then use that to make sure that we don't make choices that take us away from what we really want and how we mm-hmm. always check in to those ideas. Which leads me on to the last thing that we do, which is that whole thing about the mantra, Mm -hmm. why we think that's important. So yeah, this came about through a friend, Jack, who spoke at Summer Camp a few years ago. He talked about this book called Does It Make the Boat Go Faster? I think that's what it's called. Yeah, Does It Make the Boat Go Faster? Um, I think we've talked about this before. Yeah, the Olympic rowing team from the Sydney Olympics um, had this mantra that allowed them to make better decisions in terms of their focus for the Olympics. And they weren't uh, favorites for the gold, but they ended up winning gold. And one of the things that helped them was this this mantra to ask themselves when they're at a point of, should we do this thing? Should we go to the pub and get pissed? Will it make the boat go faster? Probably not. Should we go and do another session um, on the rowing machine? Probably. And so this kind of daily mantra that allowed to drive them to the, towards their goals. And so we found it useful both in terms of you know business-wise, but I think much more individually to then have a mantra that allows you to like you said, just stay true to what it is you've put on your on your vision, on your playbook. And, you know, the mistake a lot of people make is they focus on the big picture, but then really struggle with the day-to-day, trying to integrate that vision into their day-to-day life and trying to build those habits that allow them to move towards that. And so, for example, with me, I've on my playbook is effortless impact is my mantra. And that's something I've had for a few years. And it's just it just helps me to say yes and no to things more confidently. Um on a day-to-day basis and so the word effortless you know is is it almost a mantra for me on its own in terms of how could this be easier you know how could the business run easier how could i manage my day easier how can i help people more easily so it's almost a mantra to simplify things to make it easier to deliver and also easier to receive and then the impact piece again is like how do i balance helping other people whilst also helping myself and not burning out in the process of trying to help others so just that mantra for me, effortless impact, allows me to just be more clear about how that vision translates to day to day. And we've seen that with other people too. And that's ultimately what we want people to be able to do in terms of instinctively make choices, make useful choices around whether it's the direction they want to go with their business or the choices they have to make within that business to make it work so that they stay within that zone of genius that they're working towards the the vision of the future they want and it's always addressing their needs and the more i think you can do that the longer that you'll stay in the game and you'll be doing the things that you need to do and you will iterate towards the 
your purpose might change or the purpose of the business might change or the things that you do might change, but ultimately you're still going to be feeling energized. And that's what we hope is that everyone always feels energized by the work that they're doing. And just one thing to add on that, like I've seen some people find it really useful to use the mantra as a way to move them towards something that they've, they would typically not do. So a good example of that is Ben, who's in, who was in Mark's group on the, on the program that Davis, his mantra was underthink it. Uh, because he's always an overthinker and so he deliberately put that to allow him to try and move away from his natural habit which was to overthink things and just trying to move towards a future that was more um, useful for him so i just think it's interesting how people use it as a way to sort of trick their minds almost to to move them towards their direction of travel and it goes back to this idea of trying not to get distracted by the dissenting voices outside or inside your head so that you you are always moving towards where you need to be, uh, yeah. and with clarity, and and maybe get a t-shirt with uh, your mantra on, so you don't forget. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. To hear more inspiring conversations like this, follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just search for the Happy Entrepreneur. In March, we'll be launching Tribe 7 of our Vision 2020 program. If you're at a point in your career or entrepreneurial journey where you're asking yourself, what next? And you need the clarity and confidence to make some bold decisions about a new direction, then this program is for you. We'll help you define what success really means to you, understand the impact that is yours to make, make sure your mission is both energetically and financially sustainable, and also learn how to build a supportive community around yourself. We want people who are driven to do good in the world and are tired of trying to do it on their own. We'll share the key lessons we've learned while building the Happy Startup School and pivoting from the stressful peaks and troughs of agency life to a life of freedom, adventure, service and connection. We value learning, play and friendship and we'd like to help you discover the values and the work that align more to who you are. Don't struggle alone, and don't get sidetracked by other people's measures of success. Discover for yourself what it means to create effortless impact. To apply for the next tribe, go to vision.happystartups.co. We look forward to hearing from you.